This episode of Control Alt Delete is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Its award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house, has a sleek design, and is delivered in a small, how-do-they-do-that size box. In addition to the mattress, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. An in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature through the night. Mattresses can often cost well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost $500 for a twin-size mattress, $600 for a twin XL, $750 for a full, $850 for a queen, and $950 for a king. And buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. So, the Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. There's free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada, and you can try it for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. And it's made in America. So get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com Walt and using offer code Walt. That's www.casper.com Walt and offer code Walt. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Control Walt Delete, a podcast with some risk of radiation, but it's not deadly. That intro <laughs> is brought to us by Roger Souls on Twitter. That's at WR Souls. Uh, as always, we love those intros. are the best part of the show. Uh, so keep sending them along. Anyway, I am Neil Patel. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Verge. I'm joined, as always, by my friend and I believe today debate rival Walter S. Mossberg, our executive <laughs> editor uh, and editor at Larger Recode. How's it going, Walt? Uh, it's going great. I'm feeling really great because, as, as you just uh, referred to... Um, Earlier today, I did a podcast at the Washington Post, oh, yeah. which was a quiz show podcast largely about politics, and I won it. <laughs> there you go. I so, won it. So uh, now I got to win one. We got to set up a gimmick on this one that I can win. I know. We should do it. We could do a quiz show, you know. <laughs> Come on. One of these days. Seriously. One of these days. Look, here's the thing. We, you've been telling me about merch for literally the entire year that we've been doing this podcast. That's correct. The merch thing is happening. We're relaunching right. The Verge in That's November. What you say. It's our fifth birthday. You've posted to that effect. We posted. I, I put Ross Miller on blast because he, he's uh, our managing editor. You sent me a probably fake document showing oh, yeah. the merch. That's yeah. what I do. I generate fake documents to get people to be quiet. <laughs> uh, but Ross is in charge of it. He's promised me we're going to have it by November 1. So now we got like a new, we, we need a new thing for you to to bother me about for a year. And I yeah. think that thing should be live game show. Live game show, yeah. I'm into it. But And we have to think of really good stakes because at the Post, what I won was control of the Post. <laughs> so we have to think of something. Finally, the Washington Post gets the much-needed vision at the top. <laughs> but no money. Yeah, but, yeah. but no money. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Um, <laughs> anyhow, there's actually a lot to talk about. I think this is going to oh be a, my God. I, I, I've been excited for this show all day. I think it's going to be a, a fiery one. So uh, couple of big, a couple of newsy things, and then we got to talk about Google. Your column this week I thought was great. It was not so much about Google's news, but how Google's news, you know, it's making its own Pixel phones. It's making a whole bunch of new hardware. It's committed to hardware. How that's going to ripple out across the industry. So I want to go through that with you for sure. But there's a couple of kind of newsier things right today that are happening. Well, yeah. You and Kara made a video, great video on the Recode side. Um, it's the fifth anniversary of Steve Jobs' death, and he made this great video about his appearances at the D conference. Uh, and I, I know you want to talk about that a little bit. Right. I, I just wanted to, well, I just wanted to say, you know, kind of RIP to Steve Jobs, fifth anniversary. Uh, th this this is on uh, Wednesday. Uh, listeners will be hearing this on Thursday, but the anniversary is as we're recording. And um, because uh, the conference that Recode uh, and its predecessor site uh, ran, the D conference, uh, was the only one where he really regularly came and, and submitted himself to himself to questions. They decided to put together a uh, it's pretty it's actually a ten minute kind of montage of some of his highlight moments, punctuated but by uh, commentary by Karen and me about some of what went on backstage. 
So that's our our uh, kind of memorial to him, uh, five year memorial of his passing. Yeah, I mean, in those videos, I watched that video again today, and I think listeners of this show know that this happens to me a lot. Then you fall kind of down the YouTube hole, and you just watch all of them, and yeah, it's incredible. I I still don't think there is another executive who speaks as clearly and with as much conviction and knowledge about where they see the industry and what they're doing in relation to the industry is jobs. It, it To this day, n- no one has come close as far as I can tell. No, I, I completely agree with you. He was just a, a very unusual person. He Obviously, he was a hell of a salesman and he could sell their stuff very well by framing it in a, in a larger context. Uh, he always did that. But he could think about the whole industry and the whole thing and where everything's going and what the strengths and weaknesses are were of the various companies. Um, and he was even better at that, believe me, in private uh, than, um, than in public. Um, I had conversations like that uh, and have had, still have, conversations like that with um, CEOs. It's one of my favorite things to do when I am sitting down with them off the record. Um, but the best ones were always his... I mean, it would not be unusual to go see him take care of business in the first half hour and then for two more hours just just, just talk about the industry and technology and what was you – know, without him ever revealing a secret product uh, that was still, uh, you know, under wraps. But, um, yeah, he was a special guy. He, he really was. You know, what struck me as I was watching um, the video you guys made – uh, there's a part where he's talking about PDAs, and he yeah. goes, "I see people. We look at people using PDAs, and all they want to do is get the information out, and we right. think that's all going to go into the phone." And that he was absolutely right, of course. But oh, yeah. what is, I think that no one predicted is how much we would create using the phone, and how much apps like Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook are actually about taking information, particularly with a camera. And widely publishing it, and that it, it's just stuff like that where you see they have this very clear view of how trends would come and go, but then this the, all these other tidal waves of change happen because of the things he made. That no, you, that's no one right. could have predicted. You can't predict everything, but that that camera in the first iPhone, which uh, we we recently uh, James Barham really did, recently did a good feature showing just how terrible it was compared to the camera uh, in the latest iPhone. But uh, that camera on the first iPhone was so much better uh, than any camera you could carry around in your pocket like that, that it did set off this tidal wave. And they actually had hopes of having a lot of people make music. That's what GarageBand was about. Mm -hmm. And that didn't, I don't think that uh, has quite worked out. But yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. So some things he could predict, some things he couldn't. But he his track record was utterly remarkable compared to other people. Yeah, I just – the thing that gets me the most is just no one talks like that at all. Just I encourage everybody to go watch this video. It's on, on Recode. I'm sure Recode's engagement staff has put it on all your social channels as well. Um, but go watch this video and then, you know, watch some other stuff and just think there isn't – you know, I think, you know, last week we were talking about Elon. Even Elon doesn't, you know, uh, you can like hear the gears turning in his head as he talks with Jobs. He's, it's just everything is like a declarative. He's already thought about it. He's, uh, you, he's already got the answer. You're absolutely right. I mean, one of the things as conference producers and interviewers that Karen and I loved about having Jobs uh, was that we we knew, we asked him, what's your next new product or are you doing product X or product Y, he would either dodge it or in a few cases actually lie about it. But even when he wasn't going to tell you what they were doing, he would give you the kind of explanation about the challenge, the pros, the cons, the go-to-market issues, the technology issues, the licensing issues, whatever they were, that would be like going to class, except in an entertaining way. And so his non-answers were highly valuable, whereas there were there are people who actually do answer, and it's not valuable at all. So he was just pretty remarkable. I mean, I, that to me is 
I don't know. There, there's, there's something there when you say remarkable that it's not. It's even that's not big enough. You know, we're going to talk about Google in a little bit and the way they presented what is, I think, both of us believe a sea change in their business because they're making their own hardware. It was still pretty like, well, we're doing it. <laughs> well, it was very engineering. Yeah, and if you look at everything, like Google put a huge print supplement in the New York Times today and took a look at it. It's very Apple-y. Jobs' influence on how you present things has been enormous, especially in the tech industry, but I think even beyond the tech industry, and what the role of a CEO is and all that kind of stuff. That kind of presentation that Google did yesterday is straight out of Apple's playbook. I don't think it would have existed before Jobs decided to start doing those kinds of presentations. Mm -hmm. uh, for better or worse, you might hate them, you might like them, whatever, but that's where they came from. And yet, there's something engineery about Google and about Microsoft that, uh, but particularly about Google is at a stage now where Microsoft was at one time, very engineery. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just if you're trying to perform what is essentially a marketing task, it helps to have some chops that maybe aren't in Google's natural DNA. Yeah. It, I'm not saying they did a terrible job or anything. It just, it's just there was a certain – Jobs used this word, but he didn't even have to use it. There was a certain magic and excitement of sitting there at those Apple events with him – that, you know, I'm sure it was exciting yesterday. I watched it on live stream. I wasn't there in person, but I'm sure it was exciting, but it was not the same thing. No, I'll tell you, um, Dieter Bone, we talk about on every episode. Uh, every episode, it's a rule. He called me after the, yeah, it's after a year. We've got certain traditions nailed down. But he called me afterwards uh, and he said, how do we do? And was asking about, because when you're on the ground at these events, you never know how the site's doing. So he, right, how do we do? So we did great, felt huge, audience was massive, all the stuff. And he goes, really? Because here it felt really small. And I think that that's that's kind of speaks to what you're saying. Like, it's a lot of stuff. A lot of it's really interesting. Again, we're going to talk about it in depth in, in just a second. But the the sense that it's more that it's it it's going to touch the culture is what where Jobs really excelled. And I think it's, it's honestly, if you're listening to this. When you're done, go go watch this video. It, it is absolutely excellent. Okay, so then there's right. one more newsy thing to talk about. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and this, bo this both of us are fired up. About it. <laughs> We're just gobsmacked. I mean, <laughs> this happened within the last. I want to say we two put hours. it up two hours within the last two hours. So let me. Uh, I actually got a lot of tweets. People like the inside baseball. So here it is. So we saw USA Today publish a story. Another a Note Seven lights on fire on a Southwest plane, and our news team reacted with apathy because there's actually been a lot of confusion about phones that have batteries that explode in the past few weeks. Uh, if you have flown or you've been around any sort of travel situation, flight attendants are like, anybody with a phone, they'll explode, right? Like the Samsung brand, it's not specific to Note 7. So there was a little bit of hesitation. Is this a Note 7? Is this another really old Samsung phone? The news has been getting this wrong. Uh, but Jordan Golson, one of our transportation reporters, actually, uh, he, he is a gadget head to the extreme, found the person who was on the Southwest flight, called them up, got them to take a picture of their phone in the box, and it's not just a Note 7, it's a replacement Note 7. Yeah. So it's Samsung mm -hmm. had the whole recall, the whole mess, they're giving out new phones, and Jordan uh, just did the legwork, did the reporting, found the phone that exploded today. It's a warranty replacement. It's there is not a worse situation to be in. Completely different battery from a completely different company mm -hmm. uh, called ATL. Uh, yeah, which I think I'm not 100 percent sure about this, but I think supplies Apple as well. And if I'm not mistaken, what Jordan reported was, and he has pictures of this in the story. Everybody should go to the Verge and and, and look at it. What happened was it didn't exactly explode, but it burned so hot that. The person had to drop it on the floor, and it burned through the carpet down to the metal in the plane to the point where Southwest had to cancel the flight, not use the equipment. Even though there wasn't any, like, damage to the engines or the avionics. Yeah. But the plane, the cabin had smoke in it, and, and a hole there in the was this damage to the area caused by this white-hot fire. And it had to rebook people on other planes. I mean, that is... 
serious stuff, and it's it's just lucky that nobody got nobody got hurt. But here's the thing, you know, from Samsung's point of view. So first, their flagship of flagships, the Note Seven, which had drawn a lot of praise, uh, turns out to have a faulty battery. Not faulty, so that there are millions of cases. But potentially, there could be a large number of cases, and in actuality, there were, I think, a hundred, around a hundred cases of one kind or another of fire, heat, or explosion, or something going on with the battery, to the point where they recalled it, and uh, they worked with the U.S. government, and they recalled it. Their solution is to switch battery suppliers from a unit of their own company, because I think many of our listeners know this, but Samsung is a giant conglomerate that whole huge parts of it have nothing to do with the TVs and refrigerators and phones and things you know about in, in, the, in the consumer world, but have to do with making chips or making batteries or, I mean, I think they at one, at one time maybe still have a shipyard. I mean, they do all kinds of things. And so the battery was being made by Samsung. They, they cancel that contract kind of blame them, although they've never explained to this moment, and I tried hard in a phone call on Friday, they never have explained what exactly was wrong with the first batch of batteries and what exactly is fixed in the second batch, the new replacement batch of batteries. And I hold them accountable for it. I think they owe an explanation, but they haven't done it. And it's, I will say, it is not for a lack of reporters asking them. No, of course. I mean, people are pushing really hard on this story. I mean, like I say, I spent an hour with them uh, on the phone uh, just Friday, and, and and they just wouldn't talk about it. They would talk about the mechanics of the recall, and they would talk about switching battery suppliers, but they wouldn't talk about the, the difference, except to be very confident that the new supplier and the new battery uh, is, is not a problem. And... So all this happens. Then on Tuesday, Google, and I'm sure it wasn't a shock <laughs> to them by Tuesday, but Google, which is their OS supplier, and, and for whom they had been the champion hardware maker globally, Google decides to go into competition against them Yeah, with, with, a, with an end-to-end, vertically integrated, Google-designed, Google-contract-manufactured phone. So that's bad news for Samsung. And now... Two hours ago, one of their new replacement phones nearly, I mean, damages a plane significantly enough that, that the plane has to be taken out of service. I think any time you, you can say about any product, it damaged a plane, you are in deep trouble. That's just, <laughs> yeah. that's just a rule. Well, well, unless it's an anti-aircraft missile, that's a good... <laughs> I guess. Yeah, the, the good folks... <laughs> damage the good folks GE at... GE making the guidance systems yeah. are like, our products can damage a plane. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. But it, just a bad... I mean... I don't know how Samsung's brand recovers from yet another recall on this. Samsung. I don't know how they do anything except pull this thing from the shelves at this point. I I, right? I just, agree with you. We, and they've we, shipped. We blew it with the Note Seven. And they shipped. Let me tell you something. If this is a pattern, and it, it won't take much for it to have to be a pattern in the in the minds of consumers, and of airlines, and of the government, and everybody. If this is a pattern. With the new battery, they've shipped. They raced to ship half a million units into this country alone over the last couple weeks, uh, so that they could swap out most, not all of. They estimated, I think they told me, eight hundred and some thousand units that had yet to be uh, uh, exchanged, or that there were still out there of the first design. Now what do they do with these half a million new ones if this, <laughs> if this battery is bad? I mean, it is, it is a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was a bad week. It was a bad month. Now given the, the two events of the last two days, Google's announcements and this, and this incident on the Southwest plane in, I want to say, Louisville, it looks like to me like it could be a bad holiday season, a bad year for them. Yeah. Just a bad. So let's talk about Google because you yeah. your your column actually you talked about Samsung at length in it. So just to recap the news, basically, uh, Google held a big event. They made a big deal out of it. The phones had leaked. If you are a reader of The Verge or a listener of this show, you know what happened. Basically, they announced a bunch of products that they you know hinted at at I/O or had otherwise leaked. So the two new Pixel phones. There's a five inch, five point five inch. 
you know, fast processors. Google says the camera is the best camera ever shipped in a smartphone, or at least got the highest Using test scores. Using some obscure benchmark. Yeah. Uh, it's not. I mean, it's obscure if you are it's obscure to the a normal real person. world. If you're Eli. a camera yeah. nerd, it's it's whatever. But got a, the one we're talking about is DxO Mark. Got a DxO Mark of eighty nine. I'm sure Apple will throw money at, at testing until they get a higher score because that's the way these things work. Doesn't matter. So the phones are fine. They kind of look like iPhones. They're built by HTC, but have but HTC is really just the equipment manufacturer. They're Google phones, Google support, Google logos. A normal consumer will not know that HTC is involved at all, actually. Then there's the Google Home Intelligent Speaker, which is their competitor to the Echo. It's got Google Assistant. Um, there's a new Wi-Fi system, which appears to be an Eero. There is Daydream, which is their VR system, and the Daydream View, which is their headset. Uh, am I missing something? Oh, and there's a new Chromecast, uh, Chromecast right. Ultra 4K. All of this stuff is designed to work seamlessly together, and importantly... And I think this is actually a really big point. It all falls under a new Google hardware division, which is run by a guy named Rick Osterloh, who is the former CEO of Motorola. And at least in my And view, Skype, actually. And Skype. I don't remember uh, if he was CEO or some other C office, but he held a high position at Skype for a while. Right. So he runs the new hardware division. And the version of Android on the Pixel is not stock, I'm making quote marks with my hands, not stock Android, but they've taken stock Android and built what they call an opinionated version, Google's opinion on Android, that obviously more tightly integrates their services. It's the exclusive place for Google Assistant, at least at this moment. Uh, it has free Google Photos at full res. It's, it's, it's the most Googled up Android phone you can buy. Um, and Rick Osterloh, the reason I bring him up, I don't think that they're in. I don't think that he's running a hardware division inside of Google as a hobby. I think it's they're going to no. build something at the scale of a Motorola, at the scale of any of the other major hardware companies. At, you know, maybe one day at the scale of an Apple, right? Like that's their goal. This is their business now. And I, well, I think you and I agree that's a huge change for them. It is, and and so what I decided to do. I mean, kudos to all of our colleagues because The Verge really did do a terrific job of not just covering the event, but explaining each of the devices, uh, and even going to some things that Google uh, kind of hid or didn't announce. Like we had a great story about how the Pixel phone costs the same as an iPhone or high-end Samsung phone, but it isn't water-resistant, and how that's sort of inexcusable on a phone of that class today. So we had some a lot of great stories, but I decided to take what you might think of as a 30,000-foot view and say, well, well, what does this mean for the state of the union of the tech industry? You know, you can't, just because Google has made even a dramatic change, of course, like this, you can't say it will succeed. You don't know. But just by doing this and by everybody else knowing that Google has resources and Google has smarts and Google has uh, patience, it has effects on every one of the major companies that you can think of. So uh, let's run through some of them and talk about what I at least thought and you, uh, as always, are perfectly free to disagree <laughs> with me. Am I? Um, so the first, the first company is Apple, uh, obviously. Partly because Apple already, I mean, Tim Cook has already publicly identified Google as their main competitor, uh, but he's thinking in terms of, of uh, ecosystems and software platforms. They didn't make hardware. They made a little hardware, but inconsequential up to uh, it, this point. The, the hardware they made was the Nexus. I mean, that's what everyone talks about. They've already made Nexus phones and competed with the iPhone. The Nexus phone... They didn't make those, no. They... I mean, A, they were made in partnership with another company, had another company's brand on them. They did sell them, but those were their reference platforms. They were not yeah. no, ever that's not supposed what, to be consumed. That's not devices. what Cook Cook is not. They're not yeah. sitting there in Cupertino at Apple toting up the numbers of Nexus phones. I'm not even sure it makes their rounding error. But what I said was, you know, Apple finally has a competitor that kind of matches up against it. And here's why Apple, since its inception, has been a company that believes. Uh, to its core in the uh, being vertically integrated in the integration of hardware and software and later on uh, cl cloud ecosystems. And the idea, the reason they believe that, and, and Steve Jobs actually, to go back to our intro, uh, talked about this at uh, the D conference in his famous joint interview with Bill Gates. But I mean, they their point of view always was you could get if you designed the software and the hardware and then later the ecosystem simultaneously 
with plans that covered parts of all three in mind as you were developing things, you could get a lot cooler things done, a lot more efficient things done, and, and make a better a better product. And in fact, our colleague Vlad wrote a piece, uh, when was it? Two weeks ago, I want to yeah. say something like that, which I linked to in my piece about uh, how if, if you're one of these people who buys phones based on specs or any or tablets or laptops and you're trying to spec out Apple against Android, let's say, it, you're going to be wrong. It's not going to mean what you think it means because Apple can take lesser specs and actually get more performance, more satisfaction, longer battery life, cooler features, whatever out of it. Because Apple controls every aspect of the operating system, every aspect of the hardware, down to the silicon, which I don't think Google does yet. I know Google doesn't yet. Yeah. Uh, so Apple is still even more vertically integrated than Google. But um, And that means that, for instance, just to, for instance, if you're thinking about battery life, every operating, every modern operating system and every modern piece of hardware tries to turn unnecessary things off. Uh, even for milliseconds or nanoseconds when they're not being used. But if you control both, you can do amazing it, – it's like a quantum leap in what you can do in power management. And that's just power management. There's many other, there's many other things you can do. So Apple has never had a competitor like that. Their main competitor for many years, as everyone knows, was Microsoft – uh, which made a software platform that other people had to worry about integrating into their hardware. Uh, and then Google in the pre-this-week model, which was a little like Microsoft's model. There's a lot of differences. I mean, they weren't uh, uh, charging for it and all that. But it's, it's from Apple's point of view, is essentially the same idea. That's one kind of competitor they had. The other kind of competitor were the people on the receiving end of those software platforms, say Dell and Samsung who um, there was just a limit to what they could do to make a holistic product out of, out of their hardware and someone else's operating system. Now, Apple has a competitor that is going to do it all. That's going to do, as Steve Jobs himself once used this term, they're going to do the whole banana, the whole <laughs> widget. And, and they've never had, to my knowledge, I mean, they've never had a company with deep pockets that is doing what they do. Now. I think it's the deep pockets that are important. I mean, they've had other small integrators. Well, they've had Palm or somebody, yeah. you know, but but no nobody that on a scale that mattered. Now, having just said that, it's really important to say, and I did write this. Apple is still an amazing company. They have many, you know, advantages that Google just starting in with, with this business model won't have. Apple has maybe the best supply chain a consumer products company has ever had. I mean, it's just genius. And that was put together, by the way, mostly by Tim Cook. They, If something goes wrong with your Apple device, there are hundreds of Apple stores you can go to. You can buy new devices when you're in there. You can get support, face-to-face -face support. Um, you know, Google is going to try to do 24-7 support over the web. In my experience, that almost never works very well. It's almost never very satisfying compared to going in and seeing a human being. So Apple has a lot of advantages, uh, and it may take Google. Oh, but you can call them, too. You can call them, too, yeah. I mean, they're, they, can, they're, they can screen share with Apple you. So has, Apple has made a, an art form out of taking care of customers. No, I, I, I'm sorry, I meant Google. So you push the button, and it calls Google. Oh, yeah, yeah, but you, could, you can call Apple, too. Yeah, but yeah, um, but the, Google, you're right. Google doesn't have the retail presence, but they know pretty clearly that support with the Pixel will be a big deal. I understand that, but they they don't have any track record of it. In fact, right. Google, Google trying to get in contact with Google has been almost impossible up till now. Uh, whereas Apple has made an art form of saying, I mean, I I can't think of the number of I can't even total the number of times people have told me I was out of warranty and yet they gave me a new phone or whatever. You know, I mean, I don't know whether the Apple uh, stores are told they have a certain allotment of times when they can do that, but it you know it pays off enormously in word of mouth. Yeah. So Apple knows how to do that. Google is going to have to learn. So Apple is – it's not like, oh, my God, Google is – they finally have somebody who's a fitting opponent and now they're going to roll over and die. They're not going to roll over and die. But we're going to see a hell of a competition. And what I said um, was 
this is great for consumers in the end. This is great for consumers. Yeah, uh, I, I, so I completely agree with you. And I, I'd actually go a step farther. It's not, it's not so much as, okay, well, Apple's vertically integrated and Google's vertically integrated. It's that their theses about how technology should work are actually opposed, right? So even uh, privacy is, I think, the easiest and first example. Apple says, we don't want your stuff. We're locking it away. Everything's encrypted. We don't even know it. The cops come. We don't even, what? What are you talking about? We don't even have the keys. Google is, we're going to take all your data and deliver you Google Assistant and AI, right? I mean, they're just diametrically opposed. Well, uh, or they used to say, we're going to take all your data and deliver your advertising. So they're still doing that too. Sure, sure, sure. So, but there's never been the head-up choice between living in one set of, you know, privacy choices versus an ecosystem defined by another set of privacy choices. Google is much better at silly stuff like standards, right? Like the one phone has a USB-C and a headphone jack. The other phone has lightning. And, you know, if you buy the Apple special headphones, the Bluetooth will work better. There's never been a head-up competition between those two ideas. So you you just see the way it plays out. Both companies are going to push each other. They're going to push each other where their approach is better, and they're going to be revealed to be weak where they're weak in a way that a Samsung phone could never really do to the iPhone, in a way that Google could never use its platform to push iOS when it was being mediated by LG or Sony. I think that is terrific, right? And I think if the Apple influence on Google makes Google better at privacy that's a that's a win if the google approach pushes apple and apple has to get better about playing in the ecosystem of things that exist in this world that don't have an apple logo on them that's better there's just a wide variety I of ways. i 100% agree with you i i think this is this is you know i'm sure there is debate inside apple and of course this because this wasn't a surprise they've been planning i presume they've been planning for this and thinking about it for a while uh, there's probably debate about whether you know whether this is bad or good or you know maybe or exactly how to respond to it. But I I think it's good and I think it's good for consumers. Can I say so, one? There's one you made one point in your column specifically about Apple, and we should move on to the other ones. But it occurred to me yesterday, and you wrote about it too. You know, Google didn't. It was a phone, but they also demoed a speaker. They demoed the Chromecast. Yeah. Uh, they demoed what I think is. It's like the holy grail. It's you can talk to the speaker and have it, the Chromecast start showing you something on your TV, um, which I, you know, you can kind of do it. There's a bunch of voice products for TVs that can kind of do it, but you actually have to turn on the TV. Being able to walk in the door and say, okay, Google, turn on the game. That that's like next level, right? You know, it, it's a good feature if it works. We haven't tested. Yeah, we don't know if it but works. It's a good good feature if it works, but. But whereas most people think this is nice, Neelai will go crazy. I think that's great. Anything to do with TVs. I love TVs. But anyway, but also they have this whole ecosystem of Google Cast speakers in the market from this whole range of companies. Yes. Google just quietly built this whole ecosystem out. And Apple's saying that the future is wireless, and they have let AirPlay just lay fallow for almost five years. I think it's that, that raises, yes, you're right. I did write that, but I wrote... In a little different context, which is even, I think, stronger, which is Apple has squandered a couple of leads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they bought Siri, uh, and I know something about Siri from before when Apple bought it because I think we've discussed this here, but I put Siri, uh, I, Siri launched at, at our D conference. I put them on stage. Yeah. Uh, and then Apple bought them a few months later. They and now those guys, by the way, have left Apple and they've started this. I think the company's called Viv to do similar AI things. But Apple had a big lead in that, which I think they just basically squandered. I mean, Siri is awful. It's awful. It's, yeah. uh, I keep tweeting uh, <laughs> screenshots of. of of Siri getting the question questions wrong, like when are the Emmys on? You know, I mean, and you ask it in three different ways: when are the Emmy Awards on TV? You know, whatever, and it, it just it's awful. And not and Google's thing. Look, Sundar Pichai, the head of Google, has said this publicly. Everybody at Google would be the first to say this. They're also in the f- first half of the first inning. 
Um, Bezos said it publicly at our conference last year. He, he, in fact, he said, we're at the first batter in the first half of the first inning. I mean, everybody's early days and everybody fails in some ways. But Apple had this longer. They had the talent behind it in their company uh, for uh, you know at least a couple of years ahead of other people, and they've just squandered it. And the same thing with AirPlay. I mean, to me, AirPlay was like magic when it first came out. You could sit on your chair, or your couch, and just beam a photo, a song, or a video to the TV, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. If you, had, I mean, you had to have an Apple TV, but they weren't very expensive at that point, and you could just do it. And there's also a tiny ecosystem of AirPlay speakers, and there's there was a, a tiny of, handful of them in the world. Yeah, at one point, it looked like there'd be a lot of them. So they, they squandered that. So why did they squander it? Well, maybe part – I don't know why, but maybe partly because they didn't have the kind of full-up competition, right. the whole stack that, that, that Google is going to give them. So it is good. It's good. And, and look, there's plenty of things we could complain about uh, with regard to Google, uh, as I think you pointed out. Apple will push Google. Google will push Apple. I hope it's not in court. Let's have it be in the marketplace. <laughs> yeah, and and I just I just think it's a good thing. Let's move on to the next company though, uh, yeah. who's uh, in the State of the Union, and then we already talked a little about it, so uh, we don't have to talk maybe quite as long as we might. But it's Samsung. I think Samsung is just screwed. Yeah, I just think they're screwed. I mean, the <laughs> the Samsung Electronics division. I mean, you know, again, yeah, Samsung to, Mobile. To remind That's everybody, there's well, yeah, mobile. I'm sorry, mobile. Samsung makes. A zillion things. But I honestly, when I wrote this, I honestly believe that one reason Google made this decision to go vertical uh, was that when they looked around the landscape of the globe, actually, not just the United States or any one other country, they had won the war, the battle, let's say, for which platform was going to dominate and then won it huge against Apple and uh, a few minor players, but lost the war in the sense that they only had one single uh, hardware partner who met the criteria of simultaneously having a true global reach, serious profitability, and a serious uh, marketing budget, and that was Samsung. And it's incredible because there's like a thousand vendors using Android, various versions of Android. And But within the world of the version of Android, which has the Google services on it, they were entirely dependent on, on – or lo- entirely is the wrong word, but largely dependent on Samsung, particularly in the premium uh, end of the market. Samsung and Google have had – you know they've been very careful publicly to keep it quiet. But anybody who's talked to executives of those companies privately, and I have in both cases – knows uh, there oh, there's a lot of uh, you know pain points between them mm-hmm. uh, and I just think if you're Google uh, you know I wrote a column I should guess I should put in my brag my humble yeah, you brag should. now I wrote a column uh, 11 months ago exactly to yesterday to Google's yesterday announcements of yesterday November 4th 2015 advocating that Google build its own hardware and go vertical like this and one of the, and I gave five reasons, but one of the reasons was you can't trust Samsung. You can't depend on Samsung. You have to take control of the hardware piece of this. This is in addition to all the other benefits you get uh, from from hardware and software and ecosystem combined. So I, uh, you know, I think one reason Google did this was was they they were nervous about Samsung, and I think from Samsung's point of view, this is terrible. Even yeah. if they hadn't had exploding batteries and burning phones and damaging planes and all that, <laughs> it would be terrible just from that point of view. But given that. Their brand has probably taken its biggest hit in years in the last month. This is really a dismal development for them. Because yeah, every Samsung thing that isn't Android has – I mean we have basically as critics and reviewers told Samsung for five years, stop it. Like you're not good at software. Just right. get as much out of the way as you can. The one place where they had a little bit of a lead was they partnered with Facebook 
and Oculus is on their phones and they make the Gear VR, which for until yesterday was the category leader in a category of one. So that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but now their OS vendor is head up competing with them at the, at the premium side of the market. There are any number of Chinese phones uh, from companies like Huawei and others that are just eating their launch at the low end. And their big play to be differentiated, which is their Oculus partnership, is, well, their OS vendor is competing with them too. And their OS vendor... With a less expensive... With a less expensive product. That supposedly is much more comfortable to use. And... and Which they they are giving away pre-orders for the phone. Samsung gives the the gear away. What I was going to say is Google owns YouTube, right? So right. Not like... Yes, there's Facebook video in the world, and yes, Oculus is going to make games, but Google can just put the entire emphasis of YouTube and point it at their headset and say, 360 video, buy a Daydream supporting phone, get a free headset, and here's a mountain of 360 content that we're putting on the world's premier internet video service. And by the way, that's the a only lot Daydream supporting phone as we record this today is the Pixel. Yeah, but that will change, right? I mean, that's that's for now. It will uh, probably change, but but Daydream you know, is Daydream themselves... is the Android VR platform, and that's where it's going to be. I, I I know. I look. I don't know what to say. Samsung does have an operating system. It's actually technically an open source operating system, but I think they essentially control it. It's called Tizen, T-I-Z-E-N, for those who don't know. They use it in their watches. They use it in a few phone, low-end phone models. It's on their TVs. It has been described to me. Oh, my God, it's on their TV. That's what's on their TVs. Yep. Uh, it has been described to me by very, very senior people. They're not, I need to be honest, not in the last year, but you know, within the last few years, as kind of a plan B if they really had a break with Google, mm-hmm. they 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 do have this as a backup. It doesn't have the kind of app support or anything like that. I mean, it would be like even even if it was equally good when compared to Android and iOS, which I'm pretty sure it's not. But even if it was, it doesn't have the app ecosystem those guys have. Yeah. And we go back to the problem that Microsoft had with Windows Phone, which was actually was in many ways as good as Android and iOS in its base case, but never could develop uh, the developer support because developers just don't have time to do or yeah. resources to do yet another platform. And in Samsung's case, it would be particularly just a platform for them. I mean, they, maybe they could round up a couple of other uh, handset makers. So I just think they, they have they have a giant, giant problem. We may be back here in six months or a year talking about how they got their way through it with something clever. But right now it looks it looks bleak. Yeah. So, let's so I, wait, wait, let me say this though, we, <laughs> more inside baseball. Dieter wrote a great feature about you know why are the why is Google making hardware now? We're, right. We're sitting in the head. You know, for every one of these features, there's a, a meeting where we all we call it a headstorm. We brainstorm headlines. Right. Uh, and I was just joking, and I, I, one of my suggested headlines was, "Oh God, now Tizen's going to be a thing." Uh, <laughs> and Dan Seifert <laughs> stopped, did not laugh, and just goes, "Nilai." Tizen will never be a thing and just moved yeah. on. <laughs> so it's hard. Uh, but, you know, the question of will you buy a Pixel instead of an S7, Samsung can still, you know, they can still spend money in marketing, on deals, on promotions. Sure. Google has a lot to learn about retailing phones. And 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 the same, of course, everything we said for Apple, uh, not everything, but a lot of what we said for Apple, uh, Samsung has in place. Here's a good example. Uh, I, I, we should dig into this and figure out why, but for some reason, the only carrier supporting the Pixel is Verizon. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of reminiscent of when the iPhone came out, and the only uh, you know they 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 did an exclusive deal with AT and T in those days. Uh, we know the reason for that. The reason for that was that AT and T was the only carrier that agreed to let Jobs uh, have complete and utter control of the handset. And that would agree to have no, no input into the handset, and so he did the deal with the devil for that, and that actually broke a, a lot, a lot of the mold. But so I don't know why the Pixel is only being supported by Verizon in the U.S., but that, but it is. And if you're Samsung or Apple, you can say, "Well, 
well, if you're a Sprint customer or somebody else, the, you can The five go. of you who are left. Now, they have a way around it. You can go to Project Fi if it's in your city. and or You can just buy the unlocked one. Yeah, buy the unlock one. But anyway, so, so you brought up Amazon. Microsoft. Amazon. I mean, you know, look, it's a it's a great company. It's a huge company. It's a highly successful company. But as a t- consumer hardware company, it has had really two two hits. Well, let's say one huge hit and one thing that looks like a hit. Because I saw some numbers, which are always estimates with Amazon, that were, you know. Numbers that would would make uh, Apple or Samsung weep. Yeah, they're so low. Uh, the the first hit, of course, is the Kindle uh, monochrome reader. It's still they're still improving it. It's still sold. It's still popular. But you know they had a lot of flops or just kind of meh things in between. And then in 2014, they brought out the Echo, which is this, which was the first, to my knowledge at least, standalone combination speaker and intelligent assistant uh, backed by their uh, AI platform, which is called Alexa. And we've all written mostly very laudatory things about it. I do think, uh, and so Google is bringing out Google Home, uh, which is a dead-on, I mean, it looks different. It has some differences, but it's really a dead-on competitor to the Echo. It costs less. And it's much better integrated. It, I mean, there's no Echo integrates with services in the cloud like Uber or you know Open Table or other things like that. But it doesn't integrate with any other devices. Well, I guess smart home devices, right? Yeah, you can turn uh, your lights on and off. Um, right. Yeah, but it's not yeah. like it's not like Amazon as a family of devices. You can lock your doors. It's like a bunch of smart home stuff. They realize that voice control is the way to go, and the well, Apple even even Apple does that. I mean, you know, Apple has now made it a core lock screen feature of your phone. But Google has a much better integration story uh, on the way, and even in what they demoed Mm -hmm. uh, from the home, uh, the the Google Home device. Uh, You already uh, talked about a little of it. I just think Amazon has so this is. The Echo is actually such a very small part of its current business that even if they completely stopped selling, which is not going to happen, Amazon would roll on fine. But it's a big part of their future. I mean, Jeff Bezos said they have a thousand people working on it, or had a thousand people working on it as of last spring, when I interviewed him on stage, and and that's a significant commitment because those people are not. Uh, you know they don't they they earn considerable amounts so this is a big problem for them i mean now they're now they're up against not just google with all of all of it, all the knowledge graph it has all the all the stuff it knows about you which which amazon can't compete with but uh google the hardware company which is, nobody's tried to compete with before yeah and it's hard so i think the home the google home is actually the more important product than the pixel Uh because it's a category like you said the kindle is a breakaway success for amazon we all know that that is amazon's best hardware product the echo at least in my view is it's the one that we're all we're all rooting for right it's it's the proof of concept made good that if you have one, you like it and you use it, and you can see there's a line from here to there where it becomes an indispensable part of your life. But right now, it's I ask it to play music and set timers, right? Yeah, I was just it's about fine. to say that. I have one. I bought it. Like all of, all of us in our business, we all get loaners. We return them. Yeah. If we like the product, we buy it. I bought it, paid full price, which is what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And I find I, I play music and set timers. Yeah, I mean, great. really. But you can see where, you know, if if it was, if, what I was thinking is, oh, I mean, the third, thing party, the third party so-called skills, which are essentially apps that run on it, um, I find it has a very hard time recognizing my commands to yeah. launch those. But so, but, and the part of the reason is like, it's just not very smart. You know, Alexa is an AI no. system, is not as smart as some of the others. Google, we think, we assume, Assistant is going to be smart as hell. So you take the proof of concept, you swap out the sort of medium good voice assistant for what Google says will be the best voice assistant, 
and you really have something. And then Google can say, we'll put this in your house. You're going to become addicted to it. It's the new surface area for Google, the search service. You're going to just start asking it questions and we're going to start answering for you. Oh, by the way, if you have our phone, it'll just come with you too. And I think the home is the thing that will eventually help them sell the phone more rather than the other way around. Right. And that to me, it's the much more powerful product. And it's the one where Amazon had this huge lead. What you know, they did commercials with Alec Baldwin for Alexa. They did a product placement on Mr. Rope. You know, they, this thing is out in the world. It's in the consciousness. People know about it. They might not have it, but they have to capitalize on that gap before Google swoops in and says ours is better. It can do more stuff. Exactly, uh, exactly. And and which is why uh, you know I made a point about this is this is a problem for Amazon. Uh, we should. This is also probably a good point to note that there are reports that Apple has been building uh, a similar product. So we may have, and for all, who, who knows, we haven't, we're about to get to Microsoft or, and Facebook, but everybody could have one. I mean, who, who the hell knows? And it, you, you could line them all up on your kitchen counter and let them all <laughs> sing a cappella. Oh, uh, one of these days we're going to do that for sure. I don't know what they do. So that's Amazon. Microsoft is seems least directly affected they don't they're really out of phones i can't remember now whether they still make one they make a few a few people are going to tweet at us they're essentially out of phones and they are uh so the so the fact that google has a phone is not a big problem for them they don't make a home device they have an enormous ai effort and they they make the xbox and theoretically you could sit around your house all day saying Xbox play music, but nobody nobody does that. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. It, it's it's a huge thing. It it goes in a certain place in your house, and it still has primarily a gaming function. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't count it as a competitor to Echo. No, I don't, or, and I don't. And they have stripped out all of its ambition outside of gaming over the past year. So, right. I mean, but they I, do make I, the Xbox. for years, and I mean for years, I would go to Microsoft. Uh, I still go to Microsoft, but I would go to Microsoft and meet with the Xbox people and see. And, of course, they they weren't dumb. They knew I am not a gaming writer or a gamer personally very much. So they want to show me all the media features. And that was cool. And the same discussion would occur every year to the point where we would laugh about it. But I was dead serious. I would say, why don't you take the media features out of this thing? and make a set-top box like Apple TV and Roku. And they would always say, we're studying it, we're thinking about it, and then they would never do it. So they have no they have no home box that isn't uh, other than the Xbox. So my guess is they're going to have to seriously consider doing that. Why? Because they believe, just like all these companies believe, that AI is really important. But unlike a lot of these other companies, I mean, all these companies believe their own AI approach. Even Apple, which is not claiming that, and I think, honestly, not collecting the volumes of data that, say, Google is. Apple believes it has an approach and that it will work. They all do. But Microsoft in particular has, you know, hundreds of PhDs. They have a long history of working on this. They believe in it. Uh, I, I can remember talking to them about this general topic 15 years ago. Nothing has emerged or very little has emerged. Cortana has emerged late. But they may, uh, you know, if Google is going to get in this, if they believe the report about Apple, I mean, you know, and Amazon is now going to be pushed to make Echo better, faster. Yeah. I don't see how Microsoft doesn't have that product. I, just I think don't. the problem for Microsoft, if if you think that AI is the paradigm that everyone will compete in the future, they don't have any surfaces that they own. And I said surfaces on, on purpose. Yeah, that was good. Uh, because that's what Google calls them. I think Microsoft refers to them as canvases. So, like, you know, Google Assistant is on the iPhone in the form of the Allo chat app. But obviously that's not the best way for Google to get an assistant in front of you. Similarly, you know, Cortana is on the iPhone because it's going to be integrated in Skype. But obviously that's not the best way for the assistant to get in front of you. There needs to be a place where it's the primary interface, and Microsoft doesn't have any of those right now, except for the Surface and the Xbox. And that's a long road. It's a long road to 
to have the, those things be at the scale of. I, any, I also any think it's a, it's a serious. There's a serious difference when you talk about the primary interface between a phone and a home device. I, I agree with you that the home device. This is even more true because the home device does virtually nothing without the AI assistant. But even a phone. I mean, if you pick up a pixel and you and you press the button or say the words. The phone, before it does anything else, will just act as your virtual assistant. And Siri does the same thing on the iPhone. There's no, there's nothing. Yes, Siri is on the Mac now. Cortana has been on the PC. Google Assistant will probably be somewhere near the very surface of the Chromebook. But those are not the right, those are not the devices where you're doing these question asking things. Yeah. It's it's the home device and the phone. And then just very quickly, because we're going to run out of time, um, I think it challenges, uh, this Google Move challenges Facebook uh, because A, uh, Oculus, so the whole VR, Google Daydream VR thing is a big challenge to um, three point something billion or whatever that Zuckerberg uh, paid for Oculus. And then I think this is a little more complicated, but if we get to a world where you know Google and Apple push each other's games and they both get to be good, or even if just one of them gets to be good and everybody buy, gravitates to that platform, you're going to be able to push a button. You already can. You can do it today, except it's, they're dumb. But if you push a button and ask a question and you get really – you can have a conversation. You can get into a really, uh, you know, you can get right to the answer, or whatever. I'm not sure uh, Facebook's investment in, in AI is going to be nearly as valuable because to get to the Facebook, I'm not saying you're not going to use Facebook for what you use it for today, but to get to the point where you're using the Facebook AI bots, yeah, is just tough. much more friction than picking up the phone or talking into the kitchen counter device. Well, their, and that's their, their, their surface is Messenger, right? I mean, that's where they think it's going to happen for them. So Yeah, but Messenger is an app that you have. That unless they build a phone or build a home device, Messenger is an app and you have to go through these other AI yep. competitor stuff. Now, one thing I did note uh, is that they stole from Google. Stole. That's right. <laughs> they hired away from Google a, a woman that I think is one of the smarter hardware engineers uh, in the country, in the valley. A woman named Regina Dugan, who was the first woman to head DARPA, which, for those who don't know, is the Pentagon's secret research agency. Actually, invented the internet and a bunch of other things. Um, she was the first woman to head it. She was at Google. When she left the government and then Facebook hired her away, that has raised speculation on my part and I think on a lot of people's part that they're going to do hardware of some kind because that's her specialty. But I don't know any more than that. You know, the other thing I'll say about Facebook and AI, and then we do have to wrap up, Facebook's brand with people when it comes to collecting personal information is just in the gutter, has never come out of the gutter. Is all is You know, they they just have that reputation. People don't. They use Facebook. They like Facebook. I think people are naturally suspicious of Facebook and will remain that way for quite some time, which is why I think their purchase of Instagram, WhatsApp, all the other ones was very smart, right? They got these other brands that people love in some meaningful way. I don't know how people feel about Google. I, I suspect mo more people feel good thoughts about Google and trusting of Google than feel negative things about Google. I'm not saying there are no people who feel negative things about Google. I think there are lots of those. I feel some negative things right. about Google. Right, and I think Google. on this show we have both voiced some concerns about their data collection. But compared to Facebook, I think Google has much more goodwill in its corner to say we're putting a speaker in your house. I think if you said to somebody, Facebook's going to put a speaker in your house, the immediate answer is like no way. Right. I think there's Google has the opportunity to make a, this. I mean, I'm just imagining the, the conversation with my wife when I say, "I'm going to buy this Google Home thing." Or I mean, I'm going to get one and test it. By the way, so yeah, are of you. Course. And uh, I can. I don't. I'm, I won't speak for for your wife, but my wife is going to say, "Look, she already is suspicious about the Echo." And she loves Amazon. She uses Amazon all the time. <laughs> she can't believe Amazon is so great to her that it delivers 
the way it does and all that kind of stuff. But if I say to her, I'm putting Google in our kitchen, an instantiation of Google right here, she's not going to want it listening. Yeah. And of course, we here's the point where we need to say, none of these devices listen unless you say the keyword. That's what they say. Uh, that's what they say. That's what they say. And that's gonna, really... Someone's going to have to do some real testing. I think that. that's really all we have time to say. That's true. This is a good one, man. It's Things are getting interesting. I'm, I'm like, fired up. Yeah. It, there was, like, a real period, I want to say, like, a year ago, where it was like, hey, I guess Apple won phones, and that'll be it. And now, all of a sudden, you see... All the gears are turning. It's 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 a good time to be in tech. Anyway, it is. if you like technology, there's so many more podcasts to listen to. Uh, Lauren Good has Too Embarrassed to Ask on the Recode side. Kara Swisher has uh, Recode Decode. Peter Kafka has Recode Media. And we have the Vergecast. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll be diving into this. Dieter will be on that show tomorrow. We're taping. comes out on Friday. Um, and we have What's Tech with Christopher Thomas Plant. Uh, which is a great show that I encourage everybody to listen to. So tons and stuff to listen to. It's all on iTunes.com slash The Verge. Go find it. Listen to it. Find our show. Give us five stars. You know, we love that. Please keep tweeting intros at us. I'm at Reckless. Walt is at Walt Mossberg. And we will be back next week with more Control Delete. That was a good one. Thanks a lot, Walt. Thanks a lot, Neelay. Eli.